Lord, tonight we ask that you enlighten us. Open the eyes of our hearts. Flood our hearts with the revelation knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ. Cause us to know you and nothing else. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so let's get ready to rumble. Alright, um, good evening to everyone watching me here on Facebook. I trust everyone is doing very well. You are welcome to Love and Grace City Church um, for Tizo service. That is our evening Wednesday service. It's such a blessing and an honor to um, have you watching us live. We really appreciate you. Thank you for um, making the time to listen to us for our service tonight. Alright, so we want to quickly i'm just trying my best to see if i could finish with um the essence of the resurrection of jesus christ i i trust god to finish today but in case i'm not able to finish today i'm going to continue with you on uh, sunday hallelujah all right um so um the bible tells us in psalm 118 the verse 24 psalm 118 the verse 24 the bible says i know it's the favorite scriptures of many of you believers uh, but today probably i'm sure i'm going to um, change your perception about that scripture the bible says um, this is the day the lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it it's beautiful you know sometimes we sing songs on it this is the day that the lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it this is the day this is the day that the lord has made you know it's it's beautiful so we normally quote that scripture this is the day the lord has made it's as though it's like uh, when you enter into a new day it's like this is the day the lord has made so if you sleep and you wake up safely then you say this is the day that the lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it now that sounds good but you know in uh, as part of our teaching on the essence of resurrection i thought it wise that i need to explain this scripture so that you can understand what it means when we say this is the, the day the lord has made now we need to understand that as we read from luke chapter 24 uh, from 27 down to 44 the bible tells us that uh, jesus beginning from moses and all the prophets began to expound to um, the disciples the things concerning himself the verse 44 tells us that this is that which was written um, in the in the law and the prophets and the psalms concerning me now he says that it is written written that it should be fulfilled which was written in the law in the prophets and in the psalms concerning me so uh, what uh, jesus was saying is that what was written in the psalms was concerning him so anytime you're reading the book of psalm you should be messianic in thinking when you are reading the book of psalm you should be messianic in thinking now this scripture which many quote as this is the day as if uh, when we wake up from monday into tuesday this is the day the lord has made when we wake up from tuesday into sunday then this is the day the lord has made now you see that day is not monday tuesday wednesday thursday or friday when the bible says this is the day the lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it it is not referring to monday to sunday 
that day there is not Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. No. Now, anytime, you see, most of the time we quote scriptures because we heard people saying it. That's wrong. We normally quote scriptures or explain scriptures because we heard someone say. Now, it is good you, you hear from people and learn from people like you are learning with me. But it's also good you go into the scriptures yourself and see whether the things the person is teaching is the truth. Now, you see, this scripture has a context. This scripture does not stand on itself. You need to project that scripture for me. Psalm 118, the verse 24. Now, I want to read that again. He says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, if you have your Bibles, uh, you need to start looking from the verse 17 down to 24 into 25, 26, and 27. Before you could understand. Now, the word this is the day is not a day in our day the day the lord has made has a certain understanding now the word day in hebrew actually means a space of time it means a space of time or an age a space of time or an age so that word day there is not like a single day that word day there is a space of time it's an age the word made also in hebrew means to accomplish or to fulfill now you need to pay attention the word day in hebrew means space of time or age the word made means to accomplish or to fulfill so when the bible says this is the day the lord has made he's actually saying this is the space of time or age the lord has accomplished or fulfilled we need to understand what that word day is and what he made in this day now when we read from the verse 17 the bible tells us i shall not die but live and declare the works of god uh, most of the time also we use this scripture as a confession that we will not die we will not die but we need to understand the context of i shall not die in the book of psalm now he says i shall not die but live and declare the works of god he says the lord has chastened me so but he has given me he has not given me over unto death now look at the trend of what he means by death he was not referring to physical death here he says open unto me the gates of righteousness ah it's getting somewhere open to me the gates of righteousness well, the moment we remember righteousness we remember that christ is our righteousness so he says open the gates of righteousness and i will go into them and i will praise the lord he says the gate of the lord into which the righteous shall enter when jesus came remember he says i am the door the word door means a gate or a portal so the gates of righteousness is referring to jesus so jesus did a work that opened the gates of righteousness for us to enter now remember in the verse 20 he says the gate of the lord into which the righteous shall enter now look he says i will praise thee 
for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation thou hast heard me and become my salvation so look the verse 17 which says i shall not die but live and declare the works of god now that work of the lord is is redemption he's saying the redemptive work of christ redeemed us or saved us or delivered us from death so i shall not die but live is referring to spiritual death in context it was in relation to salvation so now watch the verse 21 again he says i will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation so the deliverance from death is referring to spiritual death now let's go to 22 ah this is a very familiar scripture he says the stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner what does this remind you of the bible tells us jesus is that chief cornerstone the builders rejected who are the builders the jews the pharisees they rejected jesus by putting him to the cross and the bible says he has become the chief cornerstone what is the chief cornerstone chief cornerstone refers to resurrection a chief cornerstone is a small stone that holds the building so he's saying jesus is now the stone that holds the church are you seeing that so the next verse says this is the doing of the lord and it is marvelous in our eyes i know that's also another favorite scripture of many of you what is that doing of the lord the work of salvation he says is the doing of the lord and he says this work of salvation is marvelous in our sight in other words when we see what christ has done we see how marvelous it is in our eyes through the eyes of revelation are you following this so the next verse tells us this is the day which the lord has made now if you follow from the verse 17 it was referring to salvation so the day the lord has made is not a day like monday or sunday the day the lord has made is the day or the space or the age of redemption it is the day which the lord has made and we who have believed in christ will rejoice and be glad in it it was specific he says in it what is that it that it is salvation that it is righteousness we have entered through the gates into righteousness now we rejoice and we are glad in it he says i shall not die but i shall live and declare the works of god that live there is eternal life i will live eternal life and declare the work of god what is the work of god the work of salvation so the day the lord has made is actually an age through the death burial and resurrection of jesus now the next verse is going to prove that the verse uh, 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 the verse 25 now remember he says this is the day the lord has made i've explained that day is not monday uh, to sunday that day there is referring to the age of redemption it's referring to the new covenant age where christ rose to become the seal of the testament so in the verse 25 he says save now oh are you following the verse 25 says save now why does he save now 
because it is the day the Lord has made. Salvation has happened through the redemptive work of Christ. So, because of what Jesus has done in his resurrection, God can now save now. So, the day the Lord has made is referring to the age and dispensation of New Testament revealed in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. So, the next verse tells us that save now. I beseech thee, O Lord. He says, O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. What is prosperity here? Prosperity here is not money remember the context of the verse 25 he says save now so what is prosperity salvation salvation is prosperity so the day the lord has made that we rejoice in it is the death the burial and the resurrection and our faith in it it is that day it is that day the lord has made the word made means to accomplish that means in the redemptive work of christ which he accomplished it has become a day we believe to live in its reality thank you jesus so he says send now prosperity that prosperity is salvation is salvation now look he says blessed be he that cometh in the name of the lord verse 26 we have he says we have blessed you in the house of the lord remember he says blessed be he that cometh in the name of the lord jesus when he came made that same statement when he was up during the time he was being held hosanna and they were saying blessed is he that cometh in the name of the lord so who was he referring to jesus now look at the verse 27 he says god is the lord which has showed us light bind the sacrifice with cords even unto the horns of the altar this is salvation so this is the day the lord has made is not monday to sunday this is the day the lord has made is salvation it is the space the age the new testament era which christ has accomplished or fulfilled or made available and today because we have believed in it we rejoice in that day salvation we rejoice that we are the righteousness of god we rejoice in it that we are holy we rejoice in it that we are forgiven we rejoice in it that we have eternal life we rejoice in it that we are saved forever so that is the day the lord has made and that is why we rejoice we rejoice in salvation hallelujah so uh, let's continue with our teaching for today we spoke on the essence of his resurrection and we said number one uh, the resurrection of jesus christ guarantees sonship the reason why we are sons of god is because jesus rose from the dead the bible tells us when jesus was born from the womb of mary he was the only begotten son of god but when jesus came from the tomb of resurrection the bible calls him the firstborn from the dead which in greek is prototokos which means a model or a sample or a prototype so jesus became the firstborn from the dead to tell us that god has more sons in him so christ became the model of sonship whereby when a man believes in christ he also becomes a son of god 
so jesus resurrection guaranteed our sonship a man can become a son of god because he has believed in jesus christ hallelujah number two we also said um uh, number one sorry we, we like we said the resurrection of jesus christ guaranteed our sonship if you read uh, uh, isaiah chapter 9 the bible says a son is born unto us it says behold a child is born unto us a son is given unto us a child is born unto us a son is given now the word uh, child is uh, uh, born is referring to the incarnation of jesus son is given is referring to the entire work of jesus in his death burial and resurrection today he has become a gift to us that the bible says the wages of sin is dead but the gift of god is eternal life the gift of god is eternal life so unto us a child is born is incarnation unto us a son is given is the gift of salvation so when we receive the son we receive the gift of salvation so the son that is given is in redemption the child that is born is in incarnation that brought death burial and resurrection are you seeing that so now number two we said the resurrection of jesus christ is the assurance that we can uh, enjoy complete forgiveness freedom from sin and eternal salvation the resurrection of jesus christ is the assurance that we can enjoy complete forgiveness freedom from sin and eternal salvation it's good news to let you know that if you have believed jesus christ you are free from sin you are free from sin i didn't say you are free from ignorance because every christian is free from sin but not many people are aware of this so you can be free from sin and still live in bondage under sin's power through your ignorance so the resurrection of jesus freed us from sin uh, assured us of uh, forgiveness completely when we believe and assured us of eternal salvation number three we said the resurrection of jesus christ raised us from spiritual death it raised us from spiritual death we explained that when christ died he did not die alone just like when adam sinned he did not sin alone we sinned in him and his sin became our worth and our value in that same vein the bible tells us that through the disobedience of one man all men became sinners likewise through the obedience of one man many be made righteous so in that same vein when jesus christ uh, um, rose up from uh, uh, when jesus rose from the dead we rose together with him when he rose from the dead we rose together with him when jesus rose from the dead we rose with him so his death was our death we died with him when he was raised from the dead we were raised together with him in his resurrection praise god so his resurrection was what birthed us from spiritual death hallelujah now um number five we said the resurrection is the evidence that jesus destroyed death satan and put them under his feet the resurrection is the evidence that jesus destroyed death satan and put it under his feet or put them under his feet now in the resurrection of jesus christ we, we explained that death was destroyed before jesus came the greatest force on earth was death after jesus came and died the greatest force on earth is his resurrection because he was born he was raised he overcame death 
He had victory over death. He took the keys of death and hate. So every Christian in Christ or any believer in Christ has authority over death. We have immortality in our spirit. Though we can lose our life physically, we cannot lose our life spiritually anymore. So the devil cannot frustrate us, intimidate us, or scare us, or put us into bondage and slavery of death. No, he cannot threaten us with death anymore. We are free. We have power over death. Thank you, Jesus. So today, we quickly want to continue with number six. Very important. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the guarantee of receiving the Holy Spirit. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the guarantee of receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, this is very, very important. Acts chapter 2, the verse 31. Acts chapter 2, the verse 31. Thank you, Jesus. Alright, he says, He seen this before spake of the resurrection of christ that his soul was not left in hell neither his flesh did see corruption the verse 32 he says this jesus has god raised up whereof we all are witnesses the verse 33 he says therefore being by the right hand of god exalted and having received of the father the promise of the holy ghost which he had shed for this which ye now see and hear now let me read that again he says therefore the verse 32 sorry he says this jesus has got raised up whereof we are all witnesses so remember he was speaking of the resurrection of jesus now the verse 33 says therefore being by the right hand of god exalted and having received of the father the promise of the spirit or the holy ghost hath he sent for this which ye now see and hear so the bible is telling us now that jesus was raised and was exalted to the right hand of the father he received the promise of the father which is the spirit the promise of the father is the spirit so until jesus was raised the holy spirit will not have come you see that is why you know people think you know here sometimes in an emotional way of communicating the gospel people say when you do what is wrong the holy ghost will leave you you know you need to understand how the holy ghost came before you can understand how he leaves if you don't understand how the holy ghost came on what terms the holy ghost came you cannot be able to understand your relationship with the spirit the bible says therefore being at the right hand of god and exalted having received of the father the promise of the spirit so jesus exaltation is what received the promise of the spirit it had got nothing to do with your behavior or your conduct or your good habit jesus was exalted in his exaltation we received the promise of the spirit so the resurrection of jesus christ is the guarantee of receiving the holy ghost on what basis does a man receive the spirit on account of good works no on account of the resurrection of jesus christ 
so no believer received the holy ghost because he was good we receive the spirit because jesus is raised from the dead now these truths are so essential because because until a believer knows that it was the exaltation of jesus that brought the holy ghost to us he cannot know how to relate with the spirit the moment you reduce your relationship or, or your uh your or the inhabitation of the holy ghost in you uh, to your works you miss the whole truth of salvation the holy ghost came to you because jesus is raised not because you were good remember jesus said to his disciples it is to your advantage that i go why was jesus saying that in other words if i don't go it is to your advantage it is you it is to your disadvantage so when jesus said it is to your advantage that i go he went ahead to say until i go the spirit will not come until i go the spirit will not come let's see if we can give you some scriptures in john 16 i'm not too sure but i'm sure i'm going to get it even if i don't get it i'll get it john 16 all right now look at that uh let's read from the verse um let's read from the verse six he says but because i have said these things unto you sorrow has filled your heart the verse seven nevertheless i tell you the truth it is expedient for you that i go away he says it is important for me to go for if i go not away the comforter will not come unto you but if i depart i will send him to you what does he mean by if i depart in other words if i die i rise and ascend i will send him to you so he was saying it is expedient it is necessary that i go to the cross because until i go and ascend you can receive the spirit so a believer received the spirit because jesus went in ascension so anytime you remember the holy ghost is in you it's because jesus rose not because you were good uh, i hope i'm making things clear here so remember that if the holy ghost is in me it means jesus is glorified i have the holy spirit because jesus is glorified now say this after me i have the holy spirit because jesus is glorified i have the spirit because jesus is glorified now this is very important we have the spirit because jesus is glorified now let's take some further scriptures um, john chapter 7 john 7 the verse 38 thank you jesus john 7 38 all right let me read from the verse 37 now the bible says in the last day that great day of the feast jesus stood and cried saying if any man first let him come unto me and drink he says he that believeth on me as the scripture has said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water 
Now the next verse is very critical. Jesus said, if anyone tests, let, it, let him come to me. Now he says, he don't believe it on me as the scripture has said, out of his belly, the word belly is koilea, which means the innermost recesses of your heart. He says, shall flow rivers of living water. Now the verse 39 explains what it means to be filled, uh, 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 what it means to have living waters flow from your belly he says but this picky of the spirit so what is the water what is the living water the spirit so he says this he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive for the holy ghost was not yet given because that jesus was not yet glorified mm. this good meat for the holy ghost was not yet given because jesus was not yet glorified what is glorified resurrection and ascension and sitting so the holy ghost could not have been given until jesus rose and ascended so why and how do we have the spirit because jesus is glorified not because you are good so now question did the holy ghost come to live in you um because you were good no he came to live in you because jesus is glorified now question if the holy ghost did not come because you were good but because jesus was glorified can he live because you were not good no this is simple equation if the holy ghost did not come on account of your good works but on account of the glorification of jesus how does he leave you because you did not live good that doesn't make new testament sense see in the old testament men had visitation from the lord they had visits the holy god the holy ghost visited men used men occasionally and temporarily when he was done he left them you know why because man's body was not inhibitable it, man's body was not habitable the word holy spirit means holy so he cannot live permanently or reside in unholy things and remember man was unholy so in the old men had visitation in the new men have habitation in the old men had visitation the holy ghost comes he checks in and he's out in the new men have habitation he lives in them he resides in them his their body are his home address and headquarters this is good this is good so in the old testament it was assumed or presumed that god was living in the holy of holies of the tabernacle in fact when stephen came in in um, acts chapter 7 stephen was saying god does not even live in temples made of hands so what we heard that god was in the temple was not even full truth it was even saying god was not even living there it was just camouflage it was toy it was fake it was not real it was drama 
let's assume God was living in the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament. There were three compartments. The outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. So let's assume God was living there. So God's presence was in the Holy of Holies. And Jesus said, destroy this body and I will rebuild it in three days. <laughs> they were confused. They said it took, four, it took 46 years to construct Herod's temple. How come? Are you crazy? How come you're saying you're going to use three days to build this temple? They didn't know what Jesus was referring to. The Bible says he was referring to his body. In other words, his death, burial, resurrection was the raising of a new temple. He says, I'll raise it in three days. His death, burial, resurrection was the raising of a new temple of which you and I belong. We are the new temples of God. The Bible says, your, do you not know that your body is the temple, is the house of the Holy Ghost? so in the new testament our body is god's temple god now lives in us remember in the old testament god lived in temples that were made with hands in the new testament god lives in temples with hands i repeat that in the old testament god lived in temples made with hands in the new god lives in temples with hands one was made with hands one has hands that means your body is now his temple now amazing how did your body become the temple of god because jesus was glorified incredible because jesus was glorified it's amazing to know that the temple of solomon was worth 56 billion dollars when calculated in our time today it was worth 56 billion dollars yet god did not approve it 56 billion dollars that do you know what it means the value of one soul he's telling you the value of one soul cannot even be compared with 56 billion dollars no amount of money can be able to compare human life no amount of money can be used to compare the soul of a man That is why your Christian life cannot be lived depending on money as your source. You cannot put your trust in money. You cannot value yourself by how much you have. You can't value yourself by how much you have. You value yourself by how much Christ gave for you. You value yourself by how much Christ gave up for you. He gave his life. So your value is worth the life of Jesus. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like a, a, a man who went to a field to seek for a treasure. And the Bible says when this man found the treasure, he closed, his, he, he closed it up. And then he went in joy and sold all he had. He sold all that he had and bought the whole field. He bought the whole field. 
is a beautiful picture of redemption the father came to seek a precious pair on earth and when he found the pair who is the pair you and i he went and sold all he had what did god have his son his son was all he had his son was all his wealth his son was all his treasure his son was all his ability his son was all his power his son was all that he had and he delivered jesus unto death and guess what his blood the blood of jesus has purchased us he purchased the whole field his redemptive work is on all men but we must receive it thank you jesus so the resurrection of jesus christ is the guarantee of receiving the holy ghost thank you jesus it's the guarantee of receiving the holy spirit i explained at a time in my teaching that israel had seven festivals the first festival was called the passover the second festival was the feast of unleavened bread the third festival was called the feast of first fruit the fourth festival was called pentecost the next festival was called the feast of trumpet then we have the day of atonement then we have the feast of tabernacles if you read colossians chapter 2 the verse 16 the bible tells us that let no man judge you therefore in meat or in drink or in respect of an holiday or of new moon or of sabbath days now the word holiday there means feasts or festivals the word holiday is festivals the verse 17 says which are a shadow of things to come but the body the word body is substance or reality is of christ in other words christ is the body or the substance or one who substantiates all the festivals he's the sabbath he's the meat offering he's the drink offering he's all the festivals in the bible so passover is christ on living bread christ first food christ uh, pentacles christ it all points to him passover on the day of passover the lamb was killed representing the death of jesus first corinthians 5 7 tells us that christ our passover is sacrificed for us first corinthians 5 7 it says christ our passover is sacrificed for us so passover is the sac sacrificial sacrifice of christ passover is the death of jesus the death of the lamb behold the lamb of god that taketh away the sin of the world so passover represents that jesus is dead in the feast of unleavened bread god told them to bake bread without yeast or bake bread without living in the bible living signifies sin in first corinthians 5 the verse 17 uh, the verse 7 sorry first corinthians 5 7 the bible tells us to purge out the old living he says purge out the old living that ye may be a new lamb as ye are unleavened he says for even christ our passover is sacrificed for us now look at the verse 8 he says let us keep the feast not with old living 
neither with living of malice and wickedness but with unliving bread of sincerity and truth so what does living mean living signifies malice or wickedness or sin or evil so living means sin evil wickedness or malice so the reason why god asked them not to put living in it because of sin so he says with the unliving bread of sincerity and truth so sincerity and truth is what unliving bread signifies unliving bread signifies bread that is without sin remember jesus is the bread of life that means christ was without sin so passover means christ died for sins unliving bread festival represents that this man who died was without sin he knew no sin says paul peter says he he committed no sin john says in him is no sin peter also calls him the lamb without blemish or without spot so the unliving bread represents that the christ or the lamb that died was without sin then the third festival is the festival of first fruit now in first fruit the the farms within which the israelite planted their crops they had their first harvest so they were told to harvest their first crops that grew and the first harvest was collected or harvested to be the evidence that if these have grown and have borne fruit the rest will also bear fruit or grow or germinate now what does first fruit mean first fruit is the first fruits that germinate it's the first fruits that are collected or harvested now what happens before a tree uh, a, a plant grows to bear fruit the seed is first sown the seed dies and the plant germinates and harvests with fruit so the seed dies the seed germinates which represents resurrection so the feast or the festival of first fruit represents the resurrection of jesus he was the first fruit now you can see that in first corinthians chapter 15 from the verse 20 the bible says but now is christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that slept are we seeing from the scriptures we just saw that christ is the passover sacrifice for us we just also saw that christ is the living bread we just also saw that christ is the first fruit so all the festivals were pointing to christ so christ is the first fruit he is the first fruit from the dead of them that slept so the reason why christ is the first fruit is to indicate that we also will follow him in resurrection he is the first because of preeminence he is the first because of preeminence now when jesus rose remember we rose with him remember christ is the head the church is the body now you don't give birth to the head of a child without the body of a child you don't give birth to the head of a child without the body of a child the head comes first then the body follows at the same time that is how come in the resurrection of jesus christ was the first as the head to come out of the tomb which is what which was the womb of resurrection and we followed the bible also calls us first fruits of all his creation so christ is first fruit we also came with him we came with him 
So first food represents that Christ is risen from the dead. Remember Passover, Christ died. On living bread, the Christ that died was without sin. First food, Christ rose from the dead. Then the fourth festival is Pentecost. The fourth festival is Pentecost. What does Pentecost signify? Pentecost signifies the giving of the Spirit. Pentecost signifies the giving of the Spirit. Remember the first day of Pentecost, the law was given and 3,000 people died on that day. On the day of Pentecost, after Jesus rose from the dead, the Holy Ghost was given in place of the law and on that day, 3,000 people were saved. So the festival of Pentecost, Pentecost comes from Pent, which is five. Pentecost is 50 days starting from unliving bread. So Jesus fulfilled everything. The exact day of the celebration of the Passover in Israel was the exact day Jesus died. The exact day for the festival of unliving bread or of first food was the exact day Jesus rose. The exact day that uh, they celebrated Pentecost was the exact date that the Holy Ghost was given. That's exactly 50 days. So remember Jesus spent extra 40 days with them after the 10 days. Then on the 50th day, the Holy Ghost was given. The Holy Ghost was given. So Pentecost is the giving of the Spirit. Why? Because Jesus is glorified. Then the next festival is the Feast of Trumpets. Which represents two things. That after Jesus was raised from the dead and we received the Holy Ghost, we are to blow the trumpet of redemption. They were to take two trumpets, two silver trumpets and blow it when they were in trouble and they needed salvation. After we received the Holy Ghost, we are to blow, proclaim the redemptive work of Christ. Number two, it is to also proclaim that the coming of the Lord is real because if you read first thessalonians 4 the bible tells us on the day of the lord there's going to be the trumpet sound so the feast of trumpet was to represent the announcement of the gospel and the announcement of the coming of our lord jesus christ so it represents jesus so we have the holy ghost because jesus is glorified how did you receive the holy ghost because jesus is glorified Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, you, you know, sometimes people say, uh, if if you mess up, the Holy Ghost is going to leave. I don't know where we get that foundation from. Uh, some also say that if you sin, you will never hear the voice of God again. When you sin, you will never hear the voice of God again. Remember, I never encourage people to sin. So if you think I'm saying you should go and sin, you misunderstood me. I'm just giving a scenario to explain a very important reality. He said, when you sin, you don't hear the voice of the Holy Ghost again. You don't hear the voice of God again. Actually, even after Adam sinned, he heard God's voice. Adam did not even have the Holy Ghost. But after he sinned, he heard the voice of God saying, Adam, where are you? Not only that, God had to sacrifice an animal to cover the nakedness of Adam. So, you need to understand this. The Holy Ghost does not come to live in perfect people. The Holy Ghost comes to perfect the people he lives in. You need to note this down. The Holy Ghost does not come to live in perfect people. The Holy Ghost comes to perfect those he lives in. The Holy Ghost does not come to live in perfect people. 
rather he comes to perfect the people he lives in so he does not come because you are perfect he comes to perfect you remember the bible says he gives some apostles prophets evangelists apostles for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry that work is done through the apostles teachers and pastors by the power of the holy ghost so the holy ghost does not come to live in perfect people but he comes to perfect the people he lives in hallelujah glory to god so the holy ghost is in the believer he's in the believer thank you jesus christ now look he's not just in the believer he is the seal of the believer's salvation the holy ghost is the seal of the believer's salvation now look at um thank you holy spirit ephesians chapter 4 the verse 30 ephesians 4 30 la loco fratibo sonda hashi thank you lord thank you jesus ephesians chapter 4 the verse um, 30 now look <laughs> interesting he says and grieve not the holy spirit of god whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption the bible tells us not to grieve the holy ghost that means a believer can grieve the spirit the word grieve means to sudden it means to make one sorrow it also means mental torture so the believer's conduct can mentally torture the holy ghost but look what the bible says he says by whom ye are sealed unto the day of redemption so the bible is telling us though the holy ghost can be grieved yet he has been sealed to the believer or much more the believer has been sealed in the holy ghost to seal means to preserve now when you buy a new television you don't have the television raw as it came the television is in a box and that box is sealed for you to bring out the television you break or open the seal by opening the seal then the tv can come out when you buy a tin of milk the tin of milk is sealed that the milk in it cannot come out until you open it the bible is telling us that the believer is sealed in the spirit why do people seal things it is sealed for preservation you seal your tv you when a tv is bought brand new it is sealed to protect it so that it does not crack so seal is preservation so to be sealed in the holy ghost is preservation that's number one number two to seal means to mark it's a mark of ownership for example if there are two farmers who all rear cattle there'll be a time there'll be confusion because there'll be mixture among uh, these two uh, 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 rares of cattle so what one can do is that if for example one is uh, okine and one is purple i will decide to seal my animals by putting a peace sign in hot coal then i use that peace sign i use that peace sign to seal it when i use the peace sign to seal my animal it is indicated that my animal belongs to me the peace sign on the back of the animal is an indication that it belongs to me it's an indication that it belongs to me so anytime the other farmer sees that animal with the letter p it indicates a mark of ownership that it does not belong to him it belongs to the other one 
which is Papo. To be sealed in the Holy Ghost is a mark of ownership. It means to receive the mark of ownership. That means you belong to the Spirit. You belong to the Holy Ghost. You are a property of the Holy Spirit. You belong to the Spirit. So the believer is sealed with the Spirit. Hallelujah. He's sealed with the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the verse 22. 2 Corinthians 1, the verse 22. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 the verse 22 thank you Jesus alright I read he says who has sealed us and given the earnest of the spirit in our hearts so the Holy Ghost has sealed us and given us the earnest the word earnest there means down payment so the Holy Ghost is the earnest. He is the earnest, the guarantee or the down payment of God's purchase possession. Now let's move further. Let's move further. Let's move further to um, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, let's read from the verse 13. Ephesians 1.13 Good. Now we say it's in whom also ye trusted after that ye had the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory now this is incredible this is incredible he says that we were he says after we trusted by believing the gospel of our salvation when we believe we were sealed with the spirit of promise so now he says that we are sealed with the spirit then he says this spirit we are sealed with is the earnest the word earnest means down payment it means down payment or foretaste so he says the holy ghost is the down payment of our inheritance in other words god has an inheritance in us and the holy ghost is the down payment now if i go to town and i want a product and um, i find the product i have and I want to purchase the product. What I can do is that I give a down payment to prove or to show that I am fully coming for the product. So when I give a down payment, the down payment is an indication that I am coming fully for the product. The Bible is telling us that we are God's inheritance. We are his purchase possession but the giving of the holy ghost to us is the fortress is the down payment of god's complete fullness of inheritance in us in other words the salvation we have in our in our spirit the holy ghost we have in our spirit is a guarantee it is a foretaste when jesus appears and our bodies are literally redeemed then we will have the full taste 
so the believer has the full taste which is the spirit he will have the full taste when jesus manifests we have a down payment when jesus appears we're going to have the full payment so we have down payment we are going to experience full payment we have four taste we are going to experience full taste so the holy ghost give it to us which is the seal is the endless of our inheritance so if you have the holy ghost in you it's an indication that god is fully coming for you so the holy ghost in a believer is a guarantee of his salvation to have the holy ghost is you assured of salvation because the holy ghost is god's down payment if god makes a down payment he will surely fulfill the full payment so to have the holy ghost by the resurrection of jesus is an indication that you are sealed in salvation the believer is sealed he cannot lose his salvation he's sealed in the spirit he's preserved in the holy spirit he's marked with the seal of ownership it's incredible and amazing thank you holy spirit we are sealed by the holy ghost come on shout i'm sealed with the holy ghost i'm sealed with the holy ghost thank you jesus thank you lord amazing thank you lord jesus we are sealed with the spirit now look at john chapter 14 the verse 16. john chapter 14 the verse 16. john 14 16. thank you holy spirit all right he says and i will pray the father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever he may abide with you forever so when the holy ghost abides in the believer he abides in the believer forever he abides in the believer forever so the holy ghost in the believer is not a temporal stay the holy ghost in the believer is not until your next mistake the holy ghost in the believer is permanent completely permanent he's sealed with the spirit and it is the resurrection of jesus christ that guaranteed this reality thank you jesus christ thank you jesus so we're going to end here 